Welcome to the Kesset Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and hope you enjoyed today's sermon. If you'd like to find out more about Kesset, you can head to kessetchurch.com or find us on Facebook. Well, good morning. I would like to welcome you to Kesset. If you are new with us, uh, today's, today's going to be quite the service. I, uh, uh, this series we're in right now is called Untethered, and we're, we're talking about this idea of, of kind of stepping back from what we thought we knew for sure and asking questions about it, including our faith and our, our families, our histories, the, the, the experiences we've all had, the trauma we've all been through. Uh, I, uh, I, I wrote this little, uh, actually I heard, I should say, this little statement Uh, shared with me by someone important to me, and I've been sharing it with you every single week. It says, Christianity is supposed to be a community where people can wonder out loud, a place where people don't have to park their injuries outside, the questions they have around them. Uh, This morning, I'm I'm speaking to you from a fairly injured space, uh, and a lot of people ask, because of that injury, why am I here? And so before I start, um, I just, I want to say something that is, is just on my heart. When I read things like this, and when I teach things like this, and when I, I, I try to drive these things into our community, uh, I am not kidding. I, I'm not playing. I'm not up here to entertain or make sure you like it. I'm here because I really believe that community is what we need when we're hurting. And so I didn't know where else to, to go but here. Like, like, where am I supposed to go if not here. So I'm here, and I'm, I'm pretty messy, and I'm fairly emotional. And for those of you who are brand new, you're like, what is going on? Uh, I'm going to share with you in just a moment. But uh, I, I just want you to know that I'm, I'm, I'm standing where I speak, and I, and I believe what I say, and I believe that we are supposed to be this for each other. And so in the midst of my mess, this is the place I choose to go. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to just, to just lean in, to just rest in your arms, to rest in, uh, in, in where it is you want to take us. I thank you for today, for every person in this room, and I ask, God, that it would impact them like, like already you've impacted me. Thank you for a community that we can be vulnerable in, that we can be authentic in, that we can that we can live um, with our mess a little exposed in. Thank you for this place. I just surrender this time to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. As many of you know, and some of you are about to find out, my father, who goes by the same name as me, Danny Clinton, unexpectedly passed away last Saturday. He was 61 years old, and he died from complications after having open-heart surgery about a week earlier. So this morning, I'm going to share a bit more of my personal journey than I normally do. And along with that, I want to encourage you to filter what you hear today through the lens of your own life. Spiritual journeys are not to be viewed from the position of a spectator. They are meant to be considered and embraced. And so it's going to be really easy for you to sit in your chair and watch me and and have empathy for me and, and, and survey me without letting any of what's going on inside my world spill into yours. And the truth is, 
I'm no different than anybody else here. As a matter of fact, it's important for me to add that although this morning I'm speaking to you from this messy place, my pain is no greater than anyone else's in the room. Others have been and or are here as well dealing with similar things. But this is where I am right now, and so this is where I have to be. My challenge to you is that you allow yourself to really be where you are. To not pretend that you're somewhere you're not, to not just pretend that you're there watching me, but really allow your, your emotional self to sit inside your body and feel whatever this brings out in you and to wrestle with that, to, as I said, embrace that and to consider that. This entire thing has a lot of beauty in it if you allow it to impact your life in that way. I'd like to start by reading a Bible passage for some context that I'm going to bring up later. It's in Luke chapter 10, and we're going to be verse 38, and this is what it said. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And so she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. I want you to imagine it, Jesus sitting, people sitting in a circle around him. She's busy running around while Mary just sits there and soaks in what Jesus is saying. And so he looks to her and with compassion in his eyes, he says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. I want you to remember that story. I want you to remember that picture of Jesus sitting with people in a circle as he talks to them about what really matters. And then I want you now to listen to a little bit about my dad. But maybe not how you'd expect. People too often talk about people they love who've passed only in a glorified way. They talk about the great things they did. They talk about the great people they were. But in reality, my father wouldn't appreciate that. He relished in his authenticity. And it was embarrassing a lot of the times. <laughs> On one hand, my father taught me that God is good and God is forever. He had an unwavering faith that God loved him and was for him. No matter how... Uh, down he got, no matter how low he got, he just believed that God had chosen him and that God was after him. And he talked about it all the time when he would grab my hand across a table at lunch and say, son, keep doing what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing. And then he'd tell me an inappropriate joke he learned at the bar. <laughs> he was a conundrum that way. My father also taught me that you can't just say the words. His choices taught me that you have to do more than that. You can't live life running from your problems. Sometimes you have to stop and step into the struggle. My father, his choices revolved around entertaining and numbing the things in his life that hurt him. So these two very different wars raged within my dad, the one that believed God is good and God is forever, and the one who kept making choices that didn't line up with what he said. This caused him to live his life split in multiple, very loud narratives, making my father both the most giving and the most selfish person I'd ever met 
and often both at the very same time. In full transparency, I came to accept a long time ago that I was raised by both a saint and a scoundrel. That's who my dad was. And he knew it. Now you know why I'm drawn to some of you in this room. <laughs> you're just trying to figure it out if it's because you're a saint or a scoundrel. <laughs> the sound a scoundrel's life makes is difficult because from the outside, they appear very solid. My dad actually attended this church. He sat right in the back row right over here. He came up afterwards. He commented on sermons. He even challenged me sometimes around certain things. We'd talk about the Bible. We'd talk about what he believed, and then we'd talk about his next relationship or the one that just didn't work out. I saw a video recently I want to show you, and it, it for me, kind of drove home the idea of what it was like to do life, to play in the band with my dad, because he would look passionate, but, well, just watch. you tried to play with my dad, no matter how many invitations he got, no matter how often you created a world where, where you could do life with him, he always would somehow do it his own way. He would always somehow play it however he wanted to play. In a sense, my father loved the music of life, but he just tended to live it a bit out of key. He, uh, for the last 20 years, worked in the bar industry, and uh, when we went to go through his stuff, his now current lovely girlfriend pulled out this for us kids. <laughs> All four of us kids sat and looked at it. My sister goes, well, I guess that's yours. <laughs> his, his, his girlfriend said, please take it because he kept trying to hang it above our bed. Who does that? A scoundrel, that's who. That's who. My father lived his life his way, and he lived it loudly. He knew who he was and what he wanted, and he got bored easy and would often move on in search of the next new thing. At one point in his life, he even moved on from my mom and us kids. 
He would later regret this and call it his greatest life's mistake, admitting to me over dinner one time that he just didn't know how to stop the parts of his story that hurt himself and other people. This is because my father lived with an immense amount of unresolved trauma and pain. My own work has given me incredibly compassionate and empathetic eyes for my dad because the more I learned about me and my behavior and the reason I did things, the more I saw in him all these things that he would try to control because they weren't able to be controlled when he was a child. All these things that happened to him that he reenacted in his own life, trying to heal that part of him that was damaged. My father lived very, very afraid. And so it made him loud and bold and aggressive. In a sense, he's going to get you before you got him. This, this idea I've recently come to understand uh, as something called survivorship bias. When looking at the people and circumstances throughout his life, my dad would either focus just on a few positive experiences as if there were no problems whatsoever, or he'd blame everything on a very few negative experiences as if all things were because of just this or that. Allow me to explain what this does to a life. This is a picture tracking bullet holes on Allied planes that encountered Nazi anti-aircraft fire in World War II. At first, the military wanted to reinforce those areas where the holes were, because obviously that's where the ground crews observed the most damage on returning planes. Until Hungarian-born Jewish mathematician Abraham Wald pointed out that this was the damage on the planes that made it home, and the Allies should armor the areas where there are no dots at all, because those are the places where the planes won't survive when hit. This survivorship bias phenomenon is a logic error where you focus on things that survived when you should really be looking at all the things that didn't. My father wouldn't look at those things. He didn't recognize the things in his life that didn't survive because of his own trauma done to him or even the things that he did later in life that traumatized other people. He instead focused intensely on only those who were willing to endure his lifestyle, the ones who survived, the bullet holes he could see. They were the loyal ones. They were the ones that really loved him. This, after being married to my mom for 20 years, over the last 20 years, resulted in my father being married nine more times. Just in case you're taking uh, note, uh, Elizabeth Taylor was only married eight. <laughs> so I told my dad he beat his record. I actually fist bumped in on, on marriage number nine. I was like, you got her, dad, you got her. <laughs> he hated this about his story, but what he ended up happening is he would get in a relationship and then his conviction from God would, would, he felt way on him and then he'd get married and then a year later he'd go, I don't like this person and he'd get rid of him and move on to the next new thing. He was broken in this way. But he was my broken. Because even through all of these things, even through all this behavior, even through crazy stuff like this, parts of my father were still very saintly. He was filled to the very top with this rare and insatiable love for us and all that we meant to him. I am so grateful for this part of him. He taught me that I can love deeply and without abandon even when I hurt or feel 
incomplete. Because no matter what my father went through, he always let me know that. This is such a core message of Jesus. In Matthew it says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And my dad loved that way. With a wounded heart, and a wounded soul, and a wounded mind. And he would push through all kinds of obstacles to make sure we knew it. And he would bless me with gifts like this. Oh my gosh, how old are you? Is that not crazy, my son? <laughs> Happy birthday. I hope you're doing something special fun today. It's a big one, you know, 40. I remember my 40th. It's got to be not even close as good as this one is for you. Hey, I just want to call and wish you happy birthday and tell you I loved you and a bunch of other nice stuff. So, but you're not here to hear it. <laughs> anyway, son, I hope you're having a good day today. I hope you're having something fun. And uh, I'm proud of you for your life and what you've accomplished in it already. I can't even imagine what the future holds, even even more. Anyway, love you. Who loves like that? Saints, that's who. I played that for a friend whose dad's been very consistent in his life. He told me who's always been there, always showed up, always helped out, stayed married to his mom. <laughs> what? <laughs> I played that message and he got emotional because he said to me, even though his dad has been there through all of his life, he's never actually told him anything like that. See, my dad was extreme in everything that he did. The one thing that he taught me is that you need to say what needs to be said. I just want to take a minute. I want to allow this to pour into your own world and your own story. Some of you in this room, you think just serving is enough, just staying is enough, but I'm here to tell you that they need to hear it. You need to tell them. They need to have voicemails like that. They need to hear from you your heart and what you're dealing with. And even those of you in the room who feel a lot more scoundrel than saint, I'm here to tell you as, adult, as an adult child with a brother and a sister in the back row, we want to hear from you, Dad. We want to hear from you, Mom. And even if things are dropped and stuff is awkward and defenses go up as soon as you call, push through that stuff, stay consistent, because it is so very, very important, the role that you play in the lives of your parents if they're still around and in the lives of your chil children and the lives of the loved ones in your world it is so very important to say what needs to be said anyways my hope is that this encourages you to do both your spiritual and emotional work we all have very important roles to play in the lives of those who love and need us i hope you feel challenged i hope you feel convicted i hope you lean in even if it's embarrassing or painful. I hope you love.
The week before my dad passed away, he was in the hospital. And so family gathered like families do. We spent a lot of that time sitting in waiting rooms. This is actually a picture I took of our family in one of those rooms. I took this picture so that after my dad got out of the hospital, I could show him all the people who were there for him. All the people that really, really loved him. I wanted them to see that his life was valuable. That, that he wasn't a failure, that he was safe, and that he didn't have to be afraid because we, we showed up. All of us, it's okay, set it down, thanks. actually a really good idea. Thanks so much. <laughs> oh, I have another one, don't I? <sighs> I want you to notice in this picture how we're all sitting in a circle. We're all completely focused on what mattered. And this isn't unique, by the way. I want to say this because I've sat in a lot of these circles, usually as a pastor. But almost everyone's life, unless it ends really quickly in an accident, Almost everyone's life in this room is going to end like this. With people you love sitting in a circle, talking about you, remembering you, hoping for you, praying for you, honoring you. Almost everyone's room in this life is going to end that way. With our families gathered, talking about what mattered most. This is the gift death brings to our attention. A reminder to untether from what doesn't matter in your life. To untether from the things that cause you anxiety and worry, the things that, that, are, that are this close to your face that cause you to forget the ones that hold your hands and pick up the phones and want so badly to go to lunch with you. Here's where it gets really beautiful. It is Christ who still offers to sit at the center of our life's circle and lead this time with us. For his words are still true to Martha and Mary and those listening to him, and they are still true to us now as he looks out over the circles of the world we've built, and he says, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Choose the good portion, which will not be taken away. We can live our lives choosing this every day, a truer way of living, a life fully gathered around what really matters. This is the beauty of what it means to be in community together, 
serving one another, loving one another, paying a cost and mourning when those people are gone from us. This is what it means to be willing to look at yourself and look at your story. I'm just here to tell you there are some people in this room and you have not done the work and you know it and you can't understand why you keep hurting the people you love so deeply and it's because you can't sit with that little boy or little girl in your life that was you in the past and actually be honest about the things that scared you that you're still trying to protect yourself from now. So you push people away and you throw up defenses and you blame it on God or community or leadership or the world or the decay of society. None of it really. You blame it on whatever you can other than the fact that somebody hurt you and now it's time for you to go sit with that person inside you and mend them. Not just so you can live the life you're supposed to live, but so that you can be an example to those that follow you in this life. My children, they're watching me grieve through this. They're watching me cry through this. I had days where I kind of forgot it. It's only been eight. I had a day where I was really, really angry. And so when they ask me, Dad, how are you? I tell them, I'm messed. I'm lost. I'm confused. I'm frustrated that I couldn't save my dad. I'm frustrated that I couldn't get him to make better choices so that his life didn't eat up all of its margins so that when he got a surgery to help him, it didn't kill him. I'm sad because he's not going to be at any of my kids' weddings or meet any of my grandkids. That was one of the things that we had. He had me young. I had my first young. He was going to be part of their story when I have grandkids and 10 or 15 years. <laughs> He's never going to know him. He's not going to call me on Christmas or my birthday next month. You know, after that voicemail, he took me Lego shopping. Wow. Like good dads do. <laughs> He's not going to be there on Father's Day. But so much of him I know is still here and so much of him I know is still blessing and so I'm going to remember what I can I'm going to let go through a process that's going to be painful of the rest and I'm going to use it to evaluate myself so that I can be the dad my kids and their kids need and it's going to hurt and it's going to be scary but I got you and you got me and together we're just going to fall apart, lean in, and live our lives untethered, choosing to love even if it costs us. You know the best part of this whole talk is right now my dad's up in heaven with Jesus taking credit for everything going on inside your life. <laughs> he's like, he's like, like, look at that sermon I just gave, right? He's like, Jesus is like, Dan, please let your son finish. He's, he's not quite done yet. Here's my three closing questions. What in your life are you gathered around that doesn't matter? What in your life is taking too much energy? Not that there's, there's just, you can't just let it all out or let it all go, but you can definitely reorient and restructure so that the things that matter in your life 
are getting the best of you? Who in your life needs to hear from you how much you love them? You think they know, but have you said it? Have you called to you can leave a voicemail like that one? Who in your life needs to see it in your eyes? Who needs to be brought to a coffee? Who is it that you need to share? Because although we've all lost people, there are still people in life that love you and you need to tell them. And lastly, are you doing the emotional and spiritual work required of you? Are you looking at your life through the the mirror of your own soul? Are you asking hard questions? Do you have people in your life who can say no to you with power? Who can challenge you and go, that's a lie, that's not true. Do you have people you can unwind the stuff that's been wound around your heart? Because without that, then you're going to continue to live bound up and bottled up. Then you're going to explode and then you're going to apologize and then you're going to run through the whole cycle again with a whole new set of friends, just like you did last time. What are you gathered around? Who in your life needs to hear from you? And are you doing the work required? These are the questions I wish my dad would have answered. And he was beautiful to me. And I will miss him deeply. And I'm grateful that I serve a God who is bigger than I thought he was, like the song says. We're going to sing in just a minute because without that, I'm just not sure where to go. Thank you for listening. I love you, but more importantly, God loves you. He's waiting to lead this life full of circles, full of relationships, full of unwinding if you're willing to follow him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we are grateful. We are grateful for this time, for this gift that that a death has brought, this gift of clarity, this gift of focus. God, may it not be wasted. May we not numb ourselves with other distractions. May we ask bigger questions. May we fall apart even further. May we dive into relationship with you. May we risk, may we love May we learn. We're so grateful for the relationships you've brought into our lives and that you are so powerful. And you are so comforting. So we just sit in this place and bring you all of our cares, all the things we don't even know how to utter. We pour them out upon you can receive with such beauty and fill us who feel empty with your love.